yourself with me, if you would, please. And the uh, there's so many uh, things out there in the world right now, as far as different religions and stuff like that, that uh, have it so backwards. Um, we're going to look at some verses here, and then we're going to talk about some things. But um, let, let's look starting in Hebrews chapter 12 and looking at uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, let me ask you a question here. Who I believe Paul's the writer of the book of uh, Hebrews. It doesn't tell us specifically, but uh, based on his, uh, the other writings that Paul had, it sure sounds like Paul. And, um, but who inspired Paul to write these scriptures? God, the Holy Spirit. And who did, in verse two, who did God, the Holy Spirit tell us to look to? Look to Jesus. You know, and that's the thing that is, I was talking about there's so many churches that have got things all wrong. God, the Holy Spirit will always point you to Jesus. You know, there's a lot of churches that are all full of wanting to talk about God, the Holy Spirit, and these signs and these gifts and this and that. There's nowhere in the scripture where God, the Holy Spirit, tries to draw attention to himself. You know, the, the thing you have to look at is this. Would it be scripturally correct, and I'm already going to give you the answer, the answer is No. Would it be scripturally correct to say that God the Holy Spirit died on the cross for us? No, it isn't. And would it be proper to sit there and say that God the Father has put everything under heaven and earth under the feet of God the Holy Spirit? No, because it was the Lord Jesus Christ who humbled himself and came down and took on our flesh and lived an obedient life and fulfilled everything that the scripture said that a man should do and then went all the way to the cross for us and met our need, paid our sin debt, and God the Father was so satisfied with that sacrifice on our behalf that he's able to forgive us of all of our sins and trespasses and make us joint heirs with Jesus Christ, adopted into his family, and, and so at the same time, it's also improper and incorrect to say that the church was founded on the day of Pentecost. Because Jesus Christ said that he would found his church, and he did when he picked out those apostles. It was empowered when God the Holy Spirit descended on the church. But again, it's Christ's church. Christ said, I will build my church. And he did. And then God the Holy Spirit empowered it. And again, the only reason God the Holy Spirit empowered it was so that it would add validity to what they were saying about Christ. That when they sit there and they were telling everyone that Christ was the Savior and then were able to perform the miracles that the apostles performed, it was to authenticate what was being said about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look here at the scriptures and it says, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Think about that. The author of it, the creator of it, and the finisher of it. Now, when you finish something, what, what, what's just happened? It's done. It's finished. Don't go adding works to it. Don't go adding other things to it. It's finished. And it was our Lord Jesus Christ, and it was God the Holy Spirit that inspired Paul, I believe, to write this. Now, the thing that we'll see here is that it'll always be the Holy Spirit's work is to turn our eyes away from self and onto Jesus. And the because Jesus is our hope, he's our power, uh, in John 5, 15, verse 3, it tells us, what can we do without Jesus? Nothing. Now, how much is nothing? It's zero. It's nothing. You know? So if Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, and we can do what without him? Nothing. So what are we without him? And what shape are we going to find ourselves in if we try to act outside of his will for our lives? Yeah. Who wants to have on their epitaph nothing? Nothing is here. You know, but the thing is, in Christ, we have everything. You know, we have the victory. But just as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit desires us to have the victory through Christ. God sent the Son. The Son was willing to come. God the Holy Spirit now points us in our hearts and then through the Word, the inspired Word. And then the God the Holy Spirit makes that Word alive in our hearts so that we believe it and we embrace it and we can know that it's the truth. Um, just as God does that, Satan has a counterfeit. And the counterfeit is self. And the counterfeit is pride. Who is your worst enemy? Yeah, that's me too. And pride is one of the biggest culprits in my life. And, and the thing is, it just, uh, God, God wants us to look to Jesus and the victory that we have in Jesus. And Satan wants us to look to self and to think that we can do it somehow our own way. And it leads, Jesus told us himself, it leads to nothing. And yet, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I have a constant battle with this problem. You know, when things get to going well for you, are you a little less likely to read your Bible maybe as diligently as you are when... You know, you're up to your eyeballs and alligators. You know, uh, you know, there's just, there's something about that prideful nature that just sneaks in there. But God, the Holy Spirit, is always trying to point us back to Jesus because he wants us to have the victory. He wants, now the thing is, Satan, again, he's always trying to do the opposite and get us to look to ourselves and he insinuates that our sins are too great to be pardoned. How many people have you known that have told you that? That, you know, I, I've, I've just failed so much in this area. Uh, I tried this for a while. Trouble is, they may have tried it outside of faith. They may not have actually been saved. 
and may have done it in their own strength. Um, I remember with my father, he got right with God. He wanted to have a cleaner testimony, so he gave up cigarettes, something he'd had for like 50 years or more in his life. He got he had a retirement deal. He got on disability, and he got a letter that he misinterpreted, thinking that his disability was being disputed. And he was about 58 years old and thought he was about to have to go out and try to find a job again. And it got the victory over him, and he went back to smoking after being gone off of it for about six months. He never would try to quit again, and cancer got him later. You know, we, we try to do things in the flesh, and, and Satan's always busy trying to mess with us. Um, one of the things that I've seen people who believe in works and don't put their trust in Jesus and I've known some people in my own life in this situation. They went to churches that taught that it was works. Yeah, you trust Jesus, but then after that you got to work. And they were honest enough with themselves to know, I'll never be able to do right. And so they never try. And that's the reason it's such a damnable heresy to add works to salvation. Because it's Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. But uh, I, can, I know a man today that his family was in the, in the Pentecostal churches, so into works, and he wasn't in the church, and I was trying to witness with him, and he just kept coming back. But don't you think a man's got to do this? Yeah, it just can't be that. You, don't you think a man's got to do this? Well, if you believe a man's got to do it, and if you're honest with yourself, then you know you're going to fail. And so you never do try. And that's all because we got our eyes on self and not on Christ, our Savior, who did it for us. Um, you know, if Satan can get you, even a saved person, if Satan can get your eyes on self, how much peace will there be? I mean, you know yourself well enough to know how well you could probably, I mean, have, you know, the deal of uh, problems. If this happens, then the possibility is this could happen. And then if this happens, then this could happen. And then if this happens, this could happen. Have you ever been down that road? Have you ever let your mind go down that road of, you know, and is there any end to how bad the problems could get? And how limited are we in our true ability to do anything about it? We are limited. We're tremendously limited. And because of it, if we get our eyes on self, there's no peace, there's no assurance, there's no comfort. You know, it's just anxiety, constant anxiety, because we've gotten our eyes off of Christ and we got them on ourselves, we got them on our problems. I mean, right now, is there, there's a lot of families in our church going through a lot of real problems. And the thing is, though, we're going to eventually, those folks have a right to go through a grieving process. They have a right to go through a, a shock process, a, an evaluation process. I mean, I'm not denying any of that to them. But eventually, life insists that you go on. 
Are you going to go on with peace and joy and confidence that God can get you through it? Or are you going to go through it looking to self for all the answers? And if it's self, the comfort's gone, the assurance is gone, the restless nights are waiting on you, uh, the tossing and turning, is this not going to work out well? When, you know, one thing that I can see in my life that I've used as a benchmark, when I lay in bed more than one night in a row and I'm tossing and turning and my mind's just going to lots of different problems, I can assure you it's a good bell ringing, whatever I need to, to remind me. I'm looking at Rick to figure out how to fix this. And Rick's never going to be able to fix it. And it helps me drive me to my knees and a reminder that I've got to turn this all over to the Lord that already knew what he was going to do for me. And he just was waiting on me to hand it to him. Now, he may take six months to figure it out, but I can still have peace during that time. When I had my bout with cancer the first night, I couldn't sleep at all. And then the next day, I had to drive to Louisiana and take on a real important meeting to my company, and I did that. And then after that, I drove back home. And when I got back home, I got to realizing, I said, you know, there is absolutely nothing I can do about this. I'm just going to have to trust the doctors and do whatever they say to do and go on. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to have to just give this to you. And I said, but, you know, a good night's sleep won't hurt nothing. And I slept every night after that because in my mind I was forced to acknowledge I had to hand this off. There wasn't any way I could fix The trouble is there's so many of our problems in life, we think we can fix them, and so we keep them. When we ought to just turn them over to Jesus. And we, and we just don't trust like we should. We, I, you know, I don't think I'm preaching only to myself. You know, I, I hope I'm trying to, we've got a Savior who's had victory over this world and can give us victory as well. And we just have to make choices on who we're going to look to for our solutions. Um, and the other thing for us to think about, right now there's a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ going through heartache right now. If we're in this camp of looking to self, for the answers and we're going through this lack of peace in our own life and lack of assurance in our own life and and no comfort in our own life how much benefit are we going to be to the cause of Christ how much real help are we going to be to our brothers and sisters in Christ during their time that they're going through right now we need to just realize that we have a savior who is capable um, Just as Satan tries to get us to look to self, you know, the Holy Spirit tells us not to look at self, but he agrees with the same conclusion that we came up with that in ourselves, we are in our flesh, we are nothing and we're unable to solve the problem. The Holy Spirit agrees with that. He doesn't disagree with that conclusion. But what he does do is tell you to get your eyes back on Jesus. Because we have everything in Jesus. You know, it's not your hold on Christ that saves you. It's Christ that saves you. 
It's not your joy in Christ that saves you, although that's your strength, but it's Christ that saves you. You know, it's not even your faith in Christ that saves you. Now, that's the instrument by which you get it, but it's Jesus' blood on the cross and his life that he lived that merited that made his blood the pure sacrifice that God could accept. So it's not even our faith that saves us, even though that's the instrument we get it, but God didn't have it to offer until Jesus shed his blood on the cross. It's all Jesus. And he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, you know, the um, he says in John 16, verse 33, that I have overcome the world. Think about that just a little bit. He said there's going to be tribulations and stuff for us in the world. There's tribulation in the world, but I have overcome the world. Guess what? He can overcome it for you, too. Your victory is in Christ. We have access to the Father and all the power of heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. I guess what I'm trying to get across to you, and I'm probably making it just as clear as mud, uh, how much love did it take for Jesus to go to the cross? And he did it for you and he did it for me. What good thing would he deny you that you really need if you're one of his children and you're living in obedience and it wouldn't spoil you? Don't you think he wants to be there for you? He wants to put the... I mean, he wept over Jerusalem and said how he would have gathered it like a hen does her chick, or chicks like, a, you know, underneath it and protect He wept over Jerusalem because he knew the destruction that was coming because they were rejecting him. I mean, he loves us, and he loved those Jews at that time and so wanted them to get saved, and yet they said no. And what he wants out of us is just to find our dependency in him, our confidence in him. We trusted him to get saved, but then we go on and try to live this life in our own strength, and that denies him the glory that he ought to get. We just need to fall to our knees and ask God to every day thank Jesus for what he's done for us and ask Jesus to protect us, protect those that we care about, those that are around us, and be dependent on the fact that the Father, as we're going to, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24, says, But this man became, because he continued, let me get this going again. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchanging priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. We have access to God the Father, the unlimited power, the God that spoke and worlds came into existence. And Jesus Christ is ever there to make intercession for us. You know, think about this with me a little bit. The scriptures tell us that there's times when we don't even know how we ought to pray. And so God the Holy Spirit talks to God the Son 
And God the Son makes intercession to God the Father. I mean, do you think anyone knows better how to pray than God the Holy Spirit? And God the Son has already proven how much he loves us because he went to the very cross, he went to the cross for us. And he makes intercession to God the Father who has the power to, like I said, speak and worlds come into existence. There is a peace there in a storm. We're going to go through storms in life. There's going to be trials in life. We're going to, you know, have to face death like Brock's stepdaddy did. And then the family's got to grieve. And there's people that have lost all their possessions. And there's going to be grieving over that. And there's financial uncertainty and lots of different things. And there's storms, but we can have a peace in that storm. Because, like I said, Jesus said that he's overcome the world. And if you would also turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, we'll look at verse 20. None to him that is able to, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Think about that. Have you ever had any dreams that seemed like they were kind of way out there? I've thought of some pretty, pretty big things at times. And yet God says that he's capable and willing and got plans for us and can do things for us even beyond our ability to ask or think. That's a pretty outstanding promise. And the thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting there. He's made it possible by his death on the cross for us. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We just need to take more advantage of it and the peace that can come with that. Um. There's fear in depending on self. There's victory depending on Jesus, the, the one who can never fail. The song that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I want to, like I said, just ask you to think about it. We have a Savior. He loves us. He's proved it. He wants to comfort us and be there for us. But we have a choice to make, and we're either going to look to self or we're going to look to Christ. I, I strongly recommend that you look to Christ. Brother Keith, would you close us in a word of prayer?